0: Good morning, listeners. This is Citizen U, a forum for exploring local government and related issues in depth to increase your civic literacy and, with that, your ability to effectively engage in decisions affecting our communities. I'm your third Wednesday host, Ukiah City Councilmember Mari Roden. Supervisor Dan Jurde hosts Citizen U on first Wednesdays. This morning, we are going to learn all about our county museum from my two guests. My first guest is Nika Aguirre. She is a history p- instructor at Mendocino College and an advisory board member for the Mendocino County Museum. We also have Rebecca Montes. She is the Dean of Instruction. She's a former history professor, and she's also on the advisory board for the museum. Good morning. Can we hear you both? Oh, let's see. Morning. Oh, there you are. Good. So let's start with Nika. Um, Nika, I just would like you to please tell listeners who you are um, and what your connection is to the County Museum. So I
1: moved here, gosh, 10 or 11 years ago now. a long time. Uh, And when I very first moved here, I actually had a meeting um, to try. We were coming here for a job for my husband. I was trying to find out more what's going on. And somebody said, well, you know, there's this wonderful museum. Have you considered, uh, you know, uh, you know, going up there to volunteer? And it was kind of my first introduction to the community. It was the first place that I, you know, felt like I I got to join the community. Um, And it was a really wonderful way to learn about the county um, and um, to, to make connections here. And then, uh, I volunteered for quite a while. And then for a time I actually worked there. Um, I curated the second shift, um, history of, of um, women's work in Mendocino County exhibit and uh, worked with a bunch of other things and then I got hired full-time by the college and um, I kind of wasn't there for a while and I've recently rejoined through the the board um, but it's just uh, something that you know has really I, I associate it with my connection to the county and um, how you know wonderful our county is that we have such amazing resources.
0: right thank you. Rebecca Montez.
1: Yeah.
2: um, Well, I first got connected to the museum, I think about 15 years ago, when I was a new instructor at um, Mendocino College. And um, the advisory board has a representative from the college, as well as from all the the supervisors districts. And so the president of the college at that time asked me to um, represent the college on the advisory board. And so I, I started doing that and I've been on the advisory board ever since. Right. Um, and I also have been fortunate enough to curate an exhibit for the museum. Um, so in 2014, I had a sabbatical from the college and I curated an exhibit called Uncivil, Uncivil Homefront, Mendocino County um, during the Civil War. And that was for the sesquicentennial. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, of the end of the Civil War. So um, I also, you know, like Nika, really just have appreciated being involved with the museum and see it as just such a a valuable resource for our county.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, the reason that uh, I wanted to have you both on today is because we've heard uh, in recent days that the Board of Supervisors is considering shuttering the Mendocino County Museum at least for a year to save money and so I want to begin by talking about what's at stake you know what what is the museum what you know what is at stake if it shutters um, so that that's what we'll talk today so that's that listeners can understand what this means if they feel that it's important to ma- retain the museum and not shutter it they can become involved. Uh, so let's first, one thing I've always wondered about the museum is why the heck is it in Willits? First of all, and not, you know, you would expect it might be in Ukiah, the county seat. So can either of you speak to that first of all? I can. Do do you know,
1: Rebecca? I don't know. Okay. So when the Historical Society actually developed the museum and when they were basically they were collecting things people kept donating things to them and they're like well we deal with paper what are we gonna do with all this stuff and they came up with this idea that they were going to create a museum and it was a long long process the community worked really hard they, they raised the money they raised the money to build it but then they needed somewhere to put it and they were working with a bunch of different places and but they kept having problems with the cost and willits said uh if you'll put it here we will donate the lamp Mm-hmm. And the county and the historical society said, Well, we can't pass that up. We, we, you know, we, we, we can't afford to put it in Ukiah. And so uh, it ended up, it's actually, I guess, the airport used to be where the museum is now. Um, and when they moved the airport, the, the city had the land and they said, We will, if you'll put it here, we'll, we'll give you the land or lease it to you for however long, or I'm not sure what the actual term for it is. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think the lease, it, you know, it's like a dollar a year
0: lease with the city of Willits. That- yeah, quite a good deal. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's a very
2: very long term lease. I think there's another 20 years on it or something like well,
0: that. Well, you were mentioning the Historical Society. Is that the Historical Society that is based in Ukiah and that's in that's not affiliated with the county, is that right? Or is it or is in an official county department?
2: No, so that's a private organization.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But it donated the foundational collection of the museum to the county. Do you know when that was? It was 50 years ago. Or the, the oh, 50 the when. Sisquen- yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. So tell us about the museum. I mean, a lot of people think of a county museum as having, you know, the old stagecoach. I've been up there a couple of times and, you know, knickknacks from early settlers. Is it more than that? Is it that and more? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, first I, I, you know, the stagecoaches are awesome. (laughs) I, I wouldn't look down at the stagecoaches, you know, I I love the fact that the museum has those, those large items on display that allow us to really kind of imagine what the experience uh, of living, you know, 150 years ago was like. So I, I definitely am pro uh, stagecoach. But yes, there is, there's much more going on at the museum um, than just those displays that kind of stick in our head.
1: So yeah, tell us
0: a little bit about that
1: recently um i guess there was actually one of the things we don't realize they have um, in the back there are a lot of archives that have been collected over time and some of which are, are very um precious in the sense that you know uh you don't a lot of people in the county don't realize that they're there but we've actually had people come from you know other states around the country to, to visit these things and so some of them recently um were used actually in the de young museum of art and the metropolitan museum of art um involving some um it's footage of pomo dancers historically Um, But there's all kinds of other stuff. I mean, Seabiscuit, you know, people around the world know who Seabiscuit is. They have a Seabiscuit collection. Judy Berry, um, part of the Redwood Summer, um, her papers and her uh, many items from her life are are in the museum. Um, The frolic. The frolic is really important locally, but it also is important to California history in general and in in the terms of, of logging, in terms of um, you know, th- worldwide trade and just, the museum is the
0: repository of frolic items. Just a little detour for just a moment <laughs> about the frolic uh, for people who don't know what it is, um, you know, besides a, a, a verb, um, yeah. just, just, to, just uh, mention what, what was the, the, the ship and, and what happened and why it's important that, you know, that the museum retained the materials about it.
1: It's a good, it's a good verb. Um, <laughs> I so the frolic was, and I don't want to go into too much detail. The frolic was originally an opium cutter that was um, bringing opium, basically taking opium um, really quickly from one area to another because it was technically illegal, and then when the opium trade died out, um, it made kind of a last voyage, um, bringing a bunch of goods from China to, um, I think it was supposed to hit San Francisco, although I may be incorrect about that. Uh, And it got blown off course and it crashed off the coast of um, Mendocino. Uh, And you can actually go and see, right by Point Cabrillo Lighthouse, you can actually see the area where it kind of crashed. And um, there's even some belief that maybe the uh, captain scuttled it intentionally to make more money off the stuff. But then uh, there's a bunch of pieces to this, because when it crashed, um, its goods were basically a lot of them were lost. um, And when people showed up to try to salvage what they could, some of it had actually been taken by local um, Native people who had then used some of it Mm. uh, to do. So you can find, for example, pieces of pottery that have been flaked into uh, arrowheads, things like that. Mm. Um, But then also, as it was explained to me, um, because people came up to salvage the ship, they saw the redwoods. And then it encouraged people to move to the county for logging. So it kind of created a movement into the area is the way that it was explained to me. I don't know. Would you have anything to add to that, Rebecca, or or correct if I'm misremembering? I
2: think that was a great quick summary of the the frolic.
0: Yeah. So I interrupted you, Nika. You were talking about the different um, collections that the museum retains beyond, you know, what the stagecoach and the things, the relics.
1: there's an amazing exhibit on local Native Americans um, that is was curated by um, Vicki Patterson. but it's I mean, it's it's really amazing, and it uh, it really connects to the fact that, you know, here's the history, but here's also the fact that people are still living here. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Native Americans didn't disappear. They're still part of our community. and um there's uh, the one' photographs. there we actually there are Ansel Adams photographs. There are all kinds of things there. Uh, and I am probably listing fewer. Uh, just because these are just things I'm pulling off the top of my head, but there's all kinds of stuff. There's a ten thousand year old Clovis point. Hmm. Um, amazing, amazing things that most I think county museums you don't wouldn't necessarily associate with that. You'd associate, you know, uh, you know here, here's some old wooden tools, but but that's really not all this museum is. It has so much there. And one of the the really cool things I found when I worked there is that, you know, you go to, okay, I'm going to work on on this thing. You go to start digging into what's here. And uh, sometimes it was hard to find, but once you did, you were like, we have a what? (laughs) How did I not know this was here? Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think that the more that that they have the chance to do that, the more the community is going to be able to see um, really how much
0: is there. Right, well, you're both history instructors, and so it's not surprising that you're passionate about all the history that's that's stored at the museum, but for people who you know who who don't live in history, you know it isn't their profession or something they think about every day. what does the museum have to offer? well, I think that um you know, over the,
2: even through the pandemic that the museum has done an impressive job of aff- offering a lot of programming and, you know, Nico brought up the Jody Berry, uh, the Judy Berry kit collection. And, you know, there was extensive programming last year, um, different speakers talking about the logging industry. And I think it really, um, you know, created an opportunity for people to wrestle with these issues that still are very present in our community today. So it's not just that we, we love history, which we obviously do, and we find all the items fascinating just because, but, um, you know, it's how it connects to who we are as a county now.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and I think that the the museum is really provides a great space for having those conversations.
0: Um, yeah, I, I, wasn't aware of any of the services that the museum provided except, you know, come visit. Mm-hmm. And getting in pre- preparation for this conversation this morning, I was looking at the website uh, for the county and it was county museum. And it, I was so impressed. I mean, that you mentioned the Winnicott photographs. If, if I hadn't looked at the website, I wouldn't know what you were talking about. So to edify listeners, um you know you can you can go on the website and is it Wanakut? how do you say his name Wanacott Wanacott and he's a photographer and he was a photographer in Mendocino County and um you can look at these photographs it's you know it's a way to um be able to appreciate what he uh you know what he did and to see old Mendocino County without having without having to go to the museum if you're not close to Willits do you want to say anything else about that uh, Wannacut? Um... I don't know if I would say anything else specifically about Wanakut, although I think there's really
1: cool stuff on him. But I would say that the museum has um, been working recently on a lot of, uh, they're calling them, I think, spark posts. Um, but basically, they're based on the exhibit that was done by Kim Bancroft and Judy Oh God, I'm going to forget her last name. I'm so sorry. Um, They, they did an exhibit on the history of of buildings in Willits. And now they're trying to expand it out to the rest of the County so that people can kind of, you know, you, you, you that, that, house in the neighborhood that you've always seen, you're like, that's really cool, but why does it have that weird thing on the front? Or you know, I wonder where that building came from. Um so it's walking tours that people could kind of walk throughout the county and, and look at the things that you know you've seen every day and, and know more about it. And for people coming in who are interested. Right. Um so just like another thing that's you know there that that you might not realize that they're doing but uh you know it doesn't have to just be about the history but also about just the world around us today and what, what do we see?
0: Mm-hmm. Well I wanted to be Yeah go ahead Rebecca
1: <laughs> Point that you
2: were making, Mari, is that there are also, um, you know, virtual exhibits. If you go to the the museum website, I mean, if you go to the museum right now, you could see some of the Wanakot photographs. There is a, a display there, an exhibit there now, um, but they've also created a parallel um, virtual exhibit that's accessible through the website. So, you know, uh, obviously, our county is is so huge and so geographically. dispersed yes the people
0: are dispersed geographically
2: right Mm -hmm. Um, but it's challenging for any entity to serve the whole um the whole of the county um so they have been leaning into to virtual exhibits and making more accessible through the website you can search all of the collections of the museum through the the website Mm -hmm. um, and see what they have so Mm -hmm.
0: Well, thanks. I I would like if you just tuned in to uh, inform listeners that we're talking about the County Museum this morning and the potential that the Board of Supervisors might shutter the museum in order to save money. We're going to get to that in just a moment, but I wanted to talk about what is the museum and what does it have to offer. And on that line, I just want to um, ask you, how, how does the museum conduct outreach? Because I I don't hear much about, if anything, about the museum at all. And uh, I don't know if if people, other residents in Mendocino County don't either. And do you also, do, is there outreach to tourists? So just curious about outreach. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, it certainly is distressing to hear that, you know, you obviously are someone who's very plugged into things that are <laughs>
0: happening. Well, I don't, um, I'm not plugged into social media. I don't uh, use Facebook and that, uh, that's my bad. And, and maybe, <laughs> maybe, well, anyway, <laughs> I think I miss a lot by, by not uh, being on social media and, and maybe that is a, a an effective way to outreach to, to people. And Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, so there is a, you know, obviously the museum has a a Facebook page, and it does do social media posting, Um, and, you know, it also relies on print media. There was a, you know, like the Willits Weekly will do um, articles about the museum. They did a really nice one um, about the the museum has been doing these behind-the-scenes tours, which... I mean, it's just like if you like history or museums, it's like such a thing to geek out on, but um, they did a really nice spread on the, the behind the scenes tour. So, yes, I mean, just social media, newspaper articles, press releases.
1: There's also, cool. there's a Mudwagon um, newsletter that's been started. You can sign up for it on their website and they'll send it to you. And then also um, they're trying to get off the ground. Um, Brent Walker, I think is the kind of spearhead on this. Um, uh, friends of the museum that would also help um, with getting the word out. Mm-hmm. But, and and I, I know that we are featured in a lot of the tourist stuff for this, for the county, uh, Visit Mendocino, for example, and things like that. But I also know um, it, advertising takes a lot of money. <laughs> more than, than you would really think. Um, and the museum has traditionally had a pretty small budget. Um, and so it's kind of a, uh, what do I do with this money? You know, how do I make it go the farthest? Yeah, sure. um, and I think that's, that's been something that's been difficult, but I also know that it's something that the museum has on their radar that we need to, to get the word out more. Um, and that it's really, you know, that's part of the idea behind the spark post. So we have connecting with people where you are, mm-hmm. um, so that you, you kind of tune in, but it's, it's difficult because it's, we are so Geographically diverse.
0: Yeah, it's that's true. What is the proposal that the supervisors are considering? And I have I should say that I bumped into Dan Gerdy last night um, in downtown Ukiah walking, and he doesn't think this is going to happen. Uh, but I I wonder if you could explain what the proposal is anyway in terms of closing the museum. Mm-hmm. What's being considered?
2: Well, so the museum budget is about five hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and the a year, and you know the county needs to cut. My understanding is that there's like a two point five million dollar gap that they're looking at right now, um, and you know I think that a lot of people see the museum as just kind of a a nice thing to have, but it's not a a required county service. And so that it is something that could be cut. And so my understanding is that the the proposal is to shutter the museum for one year.
0: And um, what's saved by that? Uh, I suppose they that s- staff savings. They no. figure facility save no. So no. and I think ahead, explain that one- explain why why it's not a savings.
2: So I think that when you think about shuttering the museum, you think, well, you could just close the door, turn out the lights and walk away. But in reality, um, you know, the county has a legal obligation to steward the objects in the museum. And you can't just turn off the lights and walk away from Pomo baskets or, you know, original documents, all of these items that need to be stored at a particular temperature with a particular humidity and, you know, most essential of all be protected from pests. And as much as we appreciate the great space of the museum, the building itself has some problems and, you know, it needs to be monitored for uh, leaks in the roof and for Mm -hmm. pest invasions, um, whether that's like bugs or Mm -hmm. mice or, you know,
0: how many staff, uh, are employed by the county museum and then I want to ask that first and follow up with how many are needed to if the place was shuttered how many right. of those staff need to be around in order to monitor the the yeah the building uh,
2: well my my understanding is that the staff would continue to be employed but redirected to other duties so there's three um three staff in the museum there's the administrator Karen Matson And I mean, I just can't say enough about how wonderful Karen is and what an incredible professional she is. Um, There's the administrative uh, personnel, Brianna Brooks. And then there's a curator who started her job two weeks ago.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So there's three full-time people. uh, There's three
2: mm full-time people. And then uh, Deb Fader-Sampson of the CSA provides some... The CSA? what's that cultural services agency.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So the library and the museum are joined together and the, the director, Deb Fader Simpson, most of her time is allotted to supervising the library. And then a small portion of her time is allotted to um, directing the museum. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if mm-hmm. as a, you know, just as a County resident thinking about how my money as a County resident is being spent We have museum professionals who their expertise is in safeguarding these collections and putting on educational programming and putting on exhibits. And so if we shutter, quote unquote, shutter the museum, we're still gonna have to be paying to keep the lights on and keep the temperature controlled and the humidity controlled and have somebody checking on the the museum. And we're still gonna be paying the staff, but then moving them over to an area that is not their expertise so there might be a savings there um, but it's not i'd say that the money then being spent is really being kind of wasted oh, it's, mm-hmm. it's not maximizing it's not
1: giving back to the community all the great programming that
0: mm-hmm. that we could
1: have in that year right
0: and, and, you, it, and yeah. it's
1: hard too because if it's shuttered they, it has been shuttered in the past and it was very difficult to retain, to, to get staff to come back. It was very difficult to um, get things back the way that they were supposed to be. Um, and it took a really long time and it actually cost a great deal of money when there were things that were not done that should have been done.
0: When was it um, last shuttered, Nika? I You know,
1: it was before I was here. I've only been told about it. it I don't it know, was, you might uh, know. There was
2: mold in the building and so it had to be um,
1: shut there was black mold in the building and the, the building had to be shut. So that oh. it be. Yeah, I know that that was actually just a couple of years ago. And that has been dealt with. But it, that, as I understood, maybe I'm incorrect. The way that I understood is part of that, they had known the county had been told about it a long time before, but they couldn't afford to do anything about it. Um, and then it became clear that it was not just like, oh, there was a, a previous leak, but that this was an active problem and they did act on it. But it, some of that stemmed from things that had happened years before that it hadn't been careful when it should
0: have been yeah um yeah i was just wondering if um you know reopening from the experience of having it shuttered in the past that is the reopening Mm -hmm. then you know a a big investment that was unanticipated to bring things back up to standard and so maybe they're you know Mm -hmm. if, if the supervisors are considering shuttering it to save this money and not thinking about what it will cost to open it again and bring bring everything back up. That that's the question I was thinking about.
1: I, I was thinking in terms of so for example, as Rebecca put it, you know, we just the, this new curator just came on two weeks ago. This is a museum professional who's got the training. This is a really wonderful asset to our community. Somebody who moved into this community for that purpose, and if they get shuttered, you know, moved to somewhere else, they hopefully they stay. Maybe they don't, and then a few years down the road, when or you know, a year down the road, if they if they keep it at that year and they bring the people back. Um, Then the next time that we need to hire somebody and we start looking at this, maybe that person's not there anymore. We have to go back and start the whole hiring process again, which has a cost and time to it. Mm -hmm. And it becomes harder to attract people because, you know, do I want to accept a job that might not be here next year or next week? I mean, and and, and this is the other, I I think, thing that I find kind of ironic about the whole thing. There is actually a uh, job posting currently up for a museum technician through the county of Mendocino for the the museum. It's currently an open job posting for our county. (laughs) which is just like Mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sense um and you know and the county had to approve that so you're just kind of going well how did that that doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. but the uh, the other thing that that um I always think about also is you know you have the uh one of the things that the museum is trying to do um to be more connected and to offer more services and to do more essentially with less is to partner with other local groups you know we are the museum's already associated with roots of motive power uh they're setting up to do a a steam printing that's also going to be shown in the center for the arts and really cool stuff but it becomes harder and harder to make those partnerships if your partner doesn't know if you're going to be there next week or next year and it especially becomes hard i know there's some uh, some um interest in for example using parts of the museum like the college for example rents classrooms which is another cost if they shut at the museum they still have to pay for someone to come clean those and make sure that they're available and you know um so you, when when you make those partnerships, your partner needs to know that you're going to continue to be there or it becomes really hard to make those partnerships. And that makes it harder and harder for the museum to be connected to the community and to be more self-sufficient. Um, so I, I think it's it's a really short term idea to, to say, well, we're going to shutter it and save a little bit, of, you know, a very tiny amount of money right now and then make it even harder in the future for uh, the museum to to be more self-sufficient or to attract staff or to connect to the community.
0: Right. So there's a ripple effect of shuttering the museum that needs to be considered if if yeah. that goes forward. So if you've just joined us, you're listening to Citizen U, a forum for exploring local government and related issues in depth to increase your civic literacy and with that your ability to effectively engage in decisions affecting our communities. I'm your third Wednesday host, Mari Roden. And we are um, talking about a decision that affects our communities, which is the the possibility that the supervisors will decide to shutter the county museum to save money. So that's what we're talking about. We're going to take your calls. Um, if you'd like to call in, the number is 895-2448. And um, so how many... Um, how many people visit the museum, um, in a year? Do you have any idea about that? How many people it serves? No, that I do not. I was looking
2: at some old, uh, reports. And I know that, um, with the Judy Berry exhibits and the, with the, um, with the programming that happened, there were about 700 people who attended the, the different programs related to that. Exhibit.
1: Mm-hmm. I had asked uh, Karen Matson when I spoke with her recently about uh, student visits and and how many students came, and she said that just off the top of her head, she you know didn't have the the things in front of her that there had been around at least two hundred who had visited the last year, which sounds like a small number if you, unless you consider the fact that you know we're we're just coming back from COVID and a lot of schools are are not doing anything because uh, you know there's so many rules and stuff, um, and and so that's a a lot of people from our community who are visiting and that's just the students that doesn't account for, you know, the parents who come with them and things like that. But Mm it does, it does make a difference. The the kids remember it and they talk about it. I know my kids, every time I pick them up, Mm -hmm. they're like, can we, can we go over there? Can we go to the museum? Mm -hmm. No guys, it's, it's closed right now. It's five o'clock. We can't go.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. All right. Well um, again, we're, we're here to take your calls if you have questions about the museum or want to share a comment about the possibility of the museum and will it's being shuttered, the number is 895-2448. And uh, we have a caller. Just a moment. Hello, caller. Hello, caller, you're on the air. Hello, this is Elizabeth
4: calling from Ukiah. And I just have to say, when I first heard that it was even considered that that museum was gonna be shut down, permanently or for a while, I was horrified. You know, I, I led a large project with people who had lost houses and family members and, in the um, Redwood Fire Complex, um, and Karen, who I agree with everything positive he said about her leadership at the museum, I stepped right in and said, yes, um, yes, have the exhibit here, um, you know, and that's it's part of Mendocino County history. And, I mean, I was a fan of the museum before that, but then I really got to know it well, just putting in that show and having it there. And and during the times that I was there, I learned, you know, I'd, I'd already lived in the county for almost 25 years, but I learned so much more about our county history through, you know, visiting the museum and mm-hmm. looking through their archives and their shows. Mm-hmm.
0: So um, thank you for your call. Um, and I want to ask, um, my guess: What people should do if they have share the sentiment of the caller, uh, and they don't want to see the museum shuttered, what what action should they take?
2: Well, first, I want to just comment on Elizabeth's call, and I remember that exhibit very well, and it was so moving. Um, and I, you know, I remember the the receptions and the sharing that took place around those exhibits, and um, it was very powerful. And so, thank you for for bringing that up, and also for you know the, the great work that you did at that time. Um, and I think that's a great example of the the space that the museum can provide
3: mm-hmm.
2: for our community. Um, so I, you know, the the first and foremost, people can contact the the supervisors, and you know, email them individually and let them know that that this is not the way
0: that you would like them to um... choose to save money. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have another caller. Let's take that. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Hi,
5: yes, this is Kim Bancroft, and I really want to voice my support for the museum. There is so much we can learn from what <clears throat> what the The exhibits provide – I remember, Rebecca, your exhibit years ago about the Civil War and in particular about what was – or about – in particular about Ukiah, not Ukiah, but Round Valley and what happened to the Native people there, Um, just, you know, the Eel River Rangers and the destruction. It just opened my eyes to another part of the county I had no idea about and I know Nika from um, her work at the museum for, for years there. there, there's so much we can learn about the coast, about Ukiah, about Redwood Valley, about all parts of the county. And this is a time when we should be investing in the museum and providing support and jobs and opportunities to have more programs and panels and lectures and discussions, have it be a center of life for the museum uh, for the whole county, and so I just wanted to say that I, I hope that it will survive, and we will all write letters to our sur- supervisors and make our calls and make our desire to have this place survive.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, caller, for your for your call. Um, yeah, I I, oh, I forgot what I was going to say, but I, oh, when when she was talking, um, I I was thinking of another. F- service or um, activity that the museum provided, which I learned about on the website, that during COVID, there was a virtual book group on the history of Mendocino County. And there are many books about Mendocino. Maybe you could talk about that if either of you were involved in setting that up, but what a really wonderful um, opportunity to not only connect people during COVID, but to really increase our understanding and sense of place through books, through reading about local history. As I understand it, that book
1: group is still going on. uh, And I think the next meeting is in July. Can you join late? (laughs) I I, I believe so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is ongoing. And I I
2: think it's just such a great idea. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Yeah. What are some of the books, uh, just out of curiosity? I can look that up. I know one was Boonville, but that's not a nonfiction um, book. We have another caller. Keep looking, Rebecca, for the books. And in the meantime, um, we'll take this call. Good morning, caller. You're on the air.
6: Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, uh, my comment is, um, I grew up, with, uh, had my kids and I in Willets, and we would spend a lot of time over there at the museum. And. Um, after they put up the donation house, uh, you know, we would uh, drop our twenty-five cents in. I know my kids really enjoyed time over there. Um, one of the things I wanted to say is we learned we learned so much over there. There's a little, I'm not sure if it's still there, sitting area um, where you could uh, check out VHS tapes. Back then it was VHS, I think, and they would little half an hour. Um, Basket weaving, and uh, you know uh, how they logged the area, and and there's so much information there. And to see the add-on happen after that, and to follow the history um, of the museum itself, there's just so much there. Um, And also for our tour season, and the rodeo grounds are across the way, and it's just a really centered spot, even though it's not in the center of the county. Yeah. Um, For our community, so I just wanted to share that um, the the history of just uh, the local folks being able to go there and learn um, all the different cultures and different aspects of our history. Uh, I wanted to thank the past and also hope that we can move into the future with the folks who do work there. Um, I can literally picture each exhibit in my mind as I walk around the... The uh, fountain, the Coca-Cola fountain one, the safes, the the whole hippie movement there. And it's just such a gem and a really Mm -hmm. good, great tourist destination. And um, thanks for the time. That's my comment.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, there's a lot of uh, support for the museum out in the county. I talked to somebody yesterday who's lived in the county for 40 years or 30 something years. And has never been to the museum, so I guess the the spreads across the spectrum of familiarity with the museum. We have another call. This is a hot topic. <laughs> this, this is a moment. Hello, caller. Good morning. Hi.
7: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I uh, just I I didn't want you to forget the uh, couple of uh, glorious years when the uh, steampunk uh, movement came to town
0: yeah and that. um
7: and so I I don't know if that's really really involved the museum so much but I, I agree with the previous call, caller how uh how uniquely uh um cent- centered it is for different activities rodeo grounds founders grove
3: mm-hmm. the
7: train the train the, the soccer fields, everything yeah so it's kind of part and parcel, and I, it would be a shame if it had to be shut.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, there's uh, there's action you can take, uh, contacting your supervisor. Thank you for your call. We have another one um, coming up.
8: Happy.
0: Hello, caller. You're on the air. Yeah. Hi, this
8: is Randy from Willits, and I don't know. I, I haven't been able to um, get on the radio because my phone's not working, but I had to go to my neighbor's. But um, you're talking about the museum and I have some ideas that I think might be worthwhile. Rather, I don't think we should shut it. We need jobs. We need to recognize the, the purpose. And the intention of a museum is to honor and respect the community, you know, where you're coming from. And we have a rural community here in Willits, in Mendocino, that is worthy. And I'm thinking the rodeo, farming, you know, the timber industry, fishing industry, women's labor, rural women. You know, to have a living museum where we can engage and honor and respect the dignity and worth of our area, because we're unique. You know, we're not like, we're not like other, uh, we're not like Chinoma or San Francisco or the Bay Area. We are Mendocino.
3: Mm-hmm. And
8: I think it would be really good. We need the jobs. Mm-hmm. And if we could respect, and the animals, you know, I think of the deer and the, horses and the, and the 4h and the, the future farmers of America the cows and just you know we're special this is the frontier days and the roots motive yeah. that we need to if we could get a living museum you know someplace where it's inactive I don't like to charge I think it's ridiculous Allison glassy who was the one of the first managers was from the welfare department and I've been I'm a welfare mother I've raised six kids on Next to nothing, six hundred and twenty-three a month, five hundred and you know eight fifty-six. I mean, it's it's a, it's a seat, what women are being told to raise their kids on the, the income. You know, the lack mm. of wages. Do you
0: have Do you have anything but, more about the museum?
8: Yes, I'd like to see it be a living museum. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see it actually be an active. You know, we could have crochet classes. Yeah, and farming. You know, to have a living museum where we have a community garden. Mm-hmm. And we invited people to come in the elders to be visited and to learn from and to have the schools. Two hundred people a year is nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to see it be. You know, hire people part time, volunteer. It could be a, a real active center, a well, center of. of yeah. Uh, anyhow, I, I I think we should not close it. It's a worthy, you know, and the frontier days, the parades, and the you know all the rural rural health. And the logging industry, you know,
3: yeah.
8: The man, man who always calls in from Cobble, who talks about the wood wood chop.
0: Let's hear home economics. Yeah, I I really like your idea of um, a living uh, museum. And uh, let's hear from the guests um, their response to the caller's ideas. And then we'll we have another call, but we'll let's just wait. I'd like to hear um, some response from the guests about yeah, and about volunteers. I know the the museum does have volunteers, so
1: that was one of the things that i wanted to mention they yeah. had an incredibly robust volunteer program um i think they're logging enough hours to be counted as another staff member at this point <laughs> um and that that's something else that would go away i mean you shut up the museum people they move to the, somewhere else and you know maybe when it reopens they're not available anymore and you lose all that connection and all of that that effort and all of that um and it's it's really it's a loss but it's also you know, Those are people who, who have found a place in the community and are, and are working in it. And it's really sad to lose that. Oh. Um, but I, I think that what all the people are saying that I hear is, you know, the museum is a, a location for community activities. Um, and it's part of a cultural heart of our county. Good communities, the ones that people want to live in, invest in that. And if we want, you know, young families, if we want uh, people to to move to Mendocino County, if we want people to stay in Mendocino County, we have to be a community that they want to be part of. One of the reasons we wanted to move here originally, we wanted something more rural. But when we looked at the county, we said, oh, look, you know, there's there's playhouses, there's art, there's all of these cultural experiences are here. And yeah. that's one of the reasons we were, you know, we came from San Diego. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we we came from a very different, uh, different life. But that's what we valued, and mm-hmm. and I think that that's what a lot of people here value, and that's part of what the museum is.
0: Right, I agree, and it also increases people's connection to the place and yes, feel very more much. at home. We have another call. Hello, caller, you're on the air.
7: Hi, uh, uh, I just. Uh, this is John from Covelo. I'm a woodworking teacher. Uh, we built a museum up in in. Uh, Round Valley. Uh, well, not in the Valley. It was up in the mountains. It was a private collection. But, you know, it took 13 years to build this museum. And, and uh, uh, I, you know, as a woodworker, you learn so much about uh, you know, handcraft and, and the joinery of antiques. you got to realize those stagecoaches and all those things were made by hand. And and there's a knowledge in all of that joinery, all of that woodworking that's being lost, uh, and it's so valuable. I, as as a woodworking teacher, I, I, I'm ashamed of the fact that I haven't taken my woodshop uh, students to visit the museum. I'm going to put that at the top of my list. Please don't close it. Hmm. And and uh, I did the you know. Uh, not so simple living fair for years is a teaching uh, fair where uh, you know brought my workbenches, my draw knives, my spoke and they had classes. And yes, that kind of activity at the museum I think would be you know really valuable for for you know aspiring woodworkers all over the county to come to the museum and see the tools, see the technology. Uh, You know, I'm I'm just horrified by the fact that all of this technology is being lost. You know, the woodworking has been taken out of the schools pretty much. Not so much in Mendocino County, you know. Thank God they still have an industrial arts department. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. Ukiah High, I hope the one at Willis is still strong. Uh, but yes, the you know, visiting students uh, coming to the museum to learn this history. It is a valuable history, a, a unique history. And uh, I, you know, uh, we had the Black Bart mural out of the old palace hotel and the old bar, you know, and we restored it and put it all up in this beautiful exhibit. And it was so sad to see all of that history uh come down and be sold at auction and and uh, yeah uh you know that was our history that should have been right here in mendocino mm-hmm. county and i would hate to see that museum come down and i am going to write my mm-hmm. <laughs> supervisors and thank you very much for the program this uh I, you know kzyx has such valuable programming and i I love the station, and I, I I love the topic of the museum. So, God bless you.
0: All right, <laughs> thank, thank you. you for your call. Yeah, on that note, thank, thanks to everyone who uh, has been has donated to the building fund for KZyx. Uh, we got to the goal sooner than we expected, and we really appreciate your generosity and in and your contributions. You're listening to Citizen U. And today we're talking with Nika Aguirre and Rebecca Montez. They're both advisory board members to the county museum. And we're discussing the museum and the implications of the possible shuttering of the county museum in order for the supervisors to close a deficit. And, um, you know, we've had every call. I don't know, five, six calls has been uh, very supportive of the museum. And, so I think I need to play the devil's advocate and and have you respond. You know, if somebody's called and said, you know, we don't have enough money for, um, you know, to, for treatment for substance abuse treatment, and there are people desperate, you know, to to, to get that. We have really critical needs, life kind of life and death needs. So where does culture and and history fall into the that? Um, we have a call, so let's. We'll just hold the question for a moment, and we'll take the call. Hello, caller, you're on the air.
6: Hey, good morning. Uh, yeah, you know, I love the museum. I think it's a viable entity that we need here, but I feel like maybe we look at a different approach to marketing it. Uh, one of the ideas I had was maybe attaching hours of operation and including an excursion. You know, at the end of the skunk train, right, where there's a mass of people getting off, and it could be just kind of an addendum to their skunk train trips. Maybe even provide shuttle service back and forth. And I mean, it would require changing hours of operation to tailor around it, but really, marketing is going to be key.
0: I think that's a great question. Thank you, caller. It's a great question and uh, I, both of the guests are nodding. Do you have uh, comments to, to respond?
2: I think it's a great suggestion. Um, you know, I think in, in years past that there was a, a connection between the skunk train schedule and the the museum schedule and that we need to, to get back to that type of um, you know, really thoughtful scheduling. Um, I know there's also I think a talk about uh, return to kind of like the first Fridays or the the nights out in Willets and participating in those types of events. And of course, we have the library right next to the museum, which I think is you know a great opportunity for some cross programming there.
0: Yeah, and the idea of connecting it with the Skunk Train, I think, is was a really good idea. So we're we're winding down. Uh, well, we have a call. Um, I'll take a, take this last call. This will be the last call, and then we'll wind up. never mind we won't. <laughs> so um, well let's and uh, maybe you can uh, go back to the earlier question before I took that call about why should we support the museum when we have really dire critical public safety public health needs in the county
1: I think there are two things to that one is um, those things are always going to exist but we have to be a place where people want to be, not just. Well, for two reasons, we need um, staff, and you know, part of our we have part of the reason we have these problems is we can't. My husband is currently the only psychiatric provider for children in the county. Mm-hmm. They, they, he's the, he's it. there's nobody else. They can't find anybody else. He can't work enough hours. He can't. Mm-hmm how do we get people to want to come to our county Mm -hmm. to pay those taxes to help support our county so that we don't go farther and farther and farther back? Um, So we have to be a county where people want to come to live. And that means that we have to support those things that draw people to our county, which gives us the tax revenue to pay for those other things and also provides the support so that people um, can live better lives that hopefully don't lead them into um, depression and anxiety and all of those things that that lead to needs for more things like that. so I, I think that it's all connected and we just have to say we want to make this the county where people want to live.
0: yeah that's um, a very I think that's a very persuasive argument it's a, it's a, an investment and it's a small investment relative to serve, uh, you know the other services that that the county provides but to the extent that it um, keeps people connected to each other and to their history, local history it's it's healthy it's good for people. Yeah. So um, I'd like to thank you both for being my guests. And I would like to start with Rebecca and ask you if they have closing remarks that you'd like to make.
2: Sure. Oh, well, thank you so much for having us, Mari. We really appreciate this mm-hmm. opportunity to, to, you know, highlight the great work that the museum is doing and to ask people for their support in keeping it open. Um, you know, I would encourage listeners to, to visit the museum to, um, you know, if, to consider volunteering at the museum and definitely to reach out to the supervisors to express their support for the museum. Um, you know, we are aware that there are other pressing needs in the county, and the museum administrator and the director of the CSA have ideas about how to economize. And so I would just ask that the board engage in a collaborative problem solving with the museum rather than just dictate a, a shuttering, which you know, as we've already explained, has some, uh,
0: you know, a lot of consequences. Thanks. And Anika Giri.
1: I would echo everything that rebecca said thank you so much for having us um it's wonderful to hear the support for the museum um i really encourage people to come out and see it if you haven't seen it before come out if you have seen it before things change there's a new exhibit bear in mind it's going to open july 4th uh it's looking at the grizzly in california um there's all kinds of things that are here um that we just we have to reach out and find them and be part of them and um, please do reach out to your supervisors. Please you know, reach out to the museum, join the, the um, newsletter online. There are all kinds of ways that you can find out more and be supportive. And hopefully it'll be here for many years to come, come out and join the 50th anniversary.
0: Yeah, thank you both so much for being my guest. You've gotten me so excited to go back to the museum. I haven't been there since my kids were little and that was a while ago. So thank you both. And I look forward to meeting you in person sometime and stay tuned um, for Patrick Gomes next
1: if you enjoyed this podcast you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one while there you can stream us live or check out our jukebox and if you like what you hear consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner we are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio, KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening.